Amen for him tonight. If I may, let me give you this final announcement. We've been announcing, and you're probably tired to death of hearing it. We've announced it so much, but nonetheless, we've been excited about this uh, service that's coming up here just in two days. But the Overcomers Choir from OBI, the Ozark Bible Institute, they're going to be with us Friday night, this Friday night at 7 o'clock. And we are looking forward to a great time, I believe, in the presence of the Lord. Anointed music, anointed ministry, young people uh, on fire for God. And uh, you're going to be blessed. I know that you will. Uh, in every service I've ever been in with the choir, uh, there has just been, number one, the, the desire of that choir is the fact that they want the presence of the Lord to be paramount, that's preeminent, and uh, whether or not they get through all of the singing, whether or not that it sounds uh, professional or not, you're going to find that their hearts are there and they want the presence of the Lord to abide. There's a wonderful anointed testimonies and preaching and I've uh, some of the most powerful altar services that I've been a part of has been uh, in some of these services with the choir and so we're going to sing we're going to preach and pray and we're just going to let God have his way in this house Friday night so I want to encourage you and challenge you uh, that when you come don't just come with the idea that you're going to set to be entertained uh, I want you to come with the, I, the mindset that I'm here to worship and uh, I'm here to get into the presence of the Lord. And uh, we're looking forward to other churches and other visitors going to be with us that night. And uh, we're looking to uh, just, uh, just uh, have a wonderful time in the Lord. And so uh, also please, uh, another reminder, immediately after our service Friday night, we'll be meeting at Castle Hall. A meal is going to be provided. And... Uh, that will be, uh, uh, we're going to have some tacos and nachos and things of that nature. And so the church is providing that. And so, uh, again, your help with uh, desserts. Thank you. We've heard from several of you that said, hey, I'm bringing a dessert. And some that have said specifically what you're bringing. And all of that is wonderful. Thank you so very much. We do appreciate that. And uh, we encourage you, invite a family member, invite a friend, uh, somebody that you know. And uh, we're just looking forward to this time. So again, Friday night at 7, and, uh, and we will, we will uh, also send out, uh, if you are on the group texting message with the church, uh, we're going to send out another reminder uh, that morning of service that night. And uh, anyway, we're just looking forward, and so uh, we would love to have you be a part, and we appreciate your support. Uh, of the choir and this service and anyway we just uh, we thank we thank God we've got some folks as far as far as uh, the uh, Dallas area and even down in South Texas the Corpus Christi area coming up to be in service with us and so we're looking forward to that going to be a great time I do believe amen if you have your Bibles and if you'll grab those and stand with me as we turn to the book of Daniel chapter number 3 and we're going to pick up here in this sermon series that we've been preaching here over the last few Wednesday nights and we have been on this subject of bind us together and we have been looking here at the word of God in regards to those significant anointed, God-ordained uh, relationships, partnerships, amen, that we as the body of Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ and, and uh, or the terminology, the family of God as we come together and, and uh, what that means, what that looks like, what are the purposes that we come together for and and uh, so we've been looking here uh, out of the book of Daniel. And Daniel 3 and starting at verse 20, this has been our central text. And then I'm going to ask you just to keep your Bible open. And then we're going to read again uh, here a little bit further down in this chapter. But uh, let's take a look here. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 20. If you're there with me, won't you say amen? The Bible says, speaking of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in the army 
to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound. Here we find, now this is again, this is a physical, they have been bound together. They have been put in restraints. They are tied together. And they were bound in their coats, their hose and hats and other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now we've been looking at some specific areas out of this chapter, but I'm tonight going to direct your attention to verse 17. Verse number 17. And this is going to be, I'm sorry, not of chapter 3, but chapter 1. Please forgive me. Daniel chapter 1, if you'll turn there. And we're going to start uh, reading at verse 17. While you're turning to that place, let me remind you, we are looking in chapter 3 here of this miraculous moment that they are going to survive the fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar is going to see the Son of God. We remember, most of us remember the story. He said, didn't we throw three men in there? He said, lo, I see four. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. This pagan king who had no idea about the Son of God. And here he sees Christ in the middle of the fire. And he says, there they are walking around. But what we have been looking at is the miracle of their survival, the miracle of the king seeing Christ, and the miracle that Nebuchadnezzar is now going to make a national decree that only the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be worshipped. All of these things happen not just at that moment. That's what we've been dealing with. But they were bound together for a purpose, and that purpose started back in chapter 1. And we've been looking at some of the specifics of this. We found that they were bound by a purpose. And for this purpose, they were set apart. And last Wednesday, we talked about they were, they were bound for the purpose. And they were acting in solidarity. They came together for the cause. The cause of consecration. The cause of serving God with excellence. The cause of being sanctified and standing for righteousness. These were the causes. The, they came together for that cause. And I want us to look here at verse 17. We had been reading here as they had rejected the king's meat. They had set themselves, committed themselves to excellence, wanting to honor the Lord. What, what his requirements of them would be even in a God-forsaken land. Away from all that they had ever known. They were purposed that they would not defile themselves. So verse 17 says... As for these four children, so the end of time had come. They had been eating pulse and drinking water. This essentially was a, it was a vegetarian diet, if you will. It was vegetables and it was water. They abstained from the king's meat and his wine. And verse 17, we're at the end of this and it says, And these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill... In all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king command, communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, again, this is Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Those were their Babylonian names, their Hebrew names mentioned here. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And so tonight, if I may, under this, under this heading that we've been looking at on bound by purpose, we have found that they were set apart, 
They were acting in solidarity. They came together for the common cause. And this part right here, I love this. And we're going to look at this tonight. And for that reason, God honored them. And therefore, he sustained them. Amen. He sustained them. And uh, I want to remind you tonight, church, that as we come together, as we set our hearts to do the will of God and honor the word of God, Sister Diana, every single time you will find that God will come through. God will sustain his promise to his people. Can we pray tonight? Father, I thank you once again for your faithfulness. I thank you for your word. And Lord, truly, we give you praise tonight, knowing that your word will accomplish what it's sent to do. Anoint our hearts and ears, Lord, my mind and lips to preach, and that we might leave this place testifying, rejoicing that we're different than the way that we've come. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. Here in recent days, and we have been seeing of events that have been really beginning to touch major places of our nation. As to where uh, there in, uh, in Asbury, Kentucky, and we are finding that there's in other places. I, I have seen that where there are groups of students that are coming together and uh, for worship, for prayer, uh, for time in the Word of God. Now, here's let me let me say this: there, uh, in case there's anybody prickly or upset uh, in regards to me making any mention of this, uh, uh, I will I will tell you this: is that uh, I will not stand here tonight to argue the or split hairs over because there are people, uh, and I'm not saying that it's been anybody here. Nobody here has talked. Uh, or asked me about uh, this revival that's been happening at this university. Uh, nobody has said anything in a negative light. And uh, I had made mention. I had made mention here a couple of services back. Uh, I said, I've, I've, been, I've been seeing some things, watching some things. But now it has begun to draw national attention. And uh, to where even uh, news conglomerates are beginning to uh, talk and interview and ask questions. And it's causing curiosity and uh, to uh, pop up. And it's become a topic of conversation. But I will say this. Uh, uh, not, not to, as I said, I'm not going to go on to rabbit trails of why some think that it's not good. And others think that it's great. And all of those things but here's let me just let me just make this statement in a time as to where in our society and in our culture we are finding that under the heading of being a woke culture that there are things that uh, that uh, groups of people are coming together for and causes that are absolutely out of line and out of sync and, and uh, completely polar opposite of anything that has to do with God or His Word. We find that there are things, as a matter of fact, as a part of the culture's mindset and some of the things that come together we come to find that there are many of these things that are uh, if I would label them anything brother Marvin it would be truly that it is the agenda of the antichrist it is antichrist spirit it is against God that's what we mean when we say that it is against God it's against his word it's against all of these things and so uh, let me just say tonight this and uh, for the sake of argument and I don't think anybody's looking for argument I'm not looking for argument but let me just say this is the fact that uh, for, the, for the first time in a long time when we look around and especially on the scene of our secular universities uh, where there are groups of, of uh, college students uh, uh, and people and parents and it's reached even beyond the colleges but right here on these college campuses if there are people who are coming together and they are coming together to say we're coming together 
together to worship and we're coming together to pray and we are coming together and they're one of the themes that has been talked about in this and I will say this is that any real genuine move of God we are going to find that through repentance revival is going to be a part of byproduct when people begin to repent and people are broken and contrite before the Lord and let me say there could be there's marches for immorality there's marches for all kinds of junk and mess and so let me just say that I'm glad I'm glad I've told the church many times and our predecessors have said it I know the pastors of this uh, previous pastors of this church have said this and we've heard this but let me say it like this is that that revival I believe in this last day in the last great outpouring and I believe God in his mercy and in his compassion that all men would be saved that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved let me tell you there's not a place that needs revival more than America amen there's not a place and some would argue but I'm hearing I've heard Years of the way that even in, under, in the underground church in China that revival's breaking loose and we hear and see of a great moves of God in Africa. There's places that's been in Europe and places that's been touched and America had reached a point where we've turned away and we put God outside of everything that we've ever had him ever a part of. And can I say this is revival. It's not necessarily going to look like like, act like, or be like what our predisposed ideas might be. But I'll say this, if the family of God and if there are people who can bind together for the solidar- for the singular purpose to say, above anything else, we need a move of God, then I say, let's bind together. I say, let's pray. I say, let's get our hearts and minds in agreement to say God whatever you want to do and however it looks or whatever it seems like break down my prejudices and break down my ideologies and remove from me a self-righteous attitude and spirit and Lord you move how you want to move when you want to move however you want to move and on whomever you want to move hallelujah Oh, and I will tell you the word of God, it powerfully illustrates to us over and over again when people come together. I want you to notice in what I was reading, we were talking last Wednesday night that they came together for the purpose. They were not going to defile God. They were not going to give in. They were not, listen, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3, he set up a golden image. He was playing music. He required everybody to bow down. But can I tell you, and everybody marvels and everybody shouts and all the preachers hit the climax of the message with them saying, Brother Mike, those three boys did not bow down. But like I've been saying, they started back in chapter number 1. They did not bow, amen, in their morals. They did not bow in their principles. They did not bow or compromise amen can I tell you this is that in every level in every place as you grow sister Gloria there are some things right now that are struggles and difficulties but I'll tell you there's greater furnaces ahead oh but brother Jacob don't you say that to that girl you'll scare her you'll make her think oh why would I want to serve God if there's greater trials ahead why don't you be a little bit more positive preacher Okay, I'm positive, Gloria. There's going to be bigger... There's going to be bigger trials ahead. Let me just stop right here and tell you this. You've heard me say this before. I like you. Lord, my prayer is, God, let there be something stirred even right here in Beaumont. I would love, let it, let there be, let Victory Temple be a place. Let it be a hub where the power of God, Brother Gary, when they walk in the door, let it be, God, oh, that they can sense your glory. Let it be a place where hope and healing happens and transpires but let me say this we can talk about revival we 
can shout about growth. We can say we want to do this. You can sit here and you can say, I want to do this in ministry and I want to be this for God. Well, let me just tell you, sir and ma'am, then you'd better sign on the line. You'd better buckle up because as you go deeper, as you climb higher, as you seek after him more, there's going to be some stuff that you're going to meet. There's going to be some devils you're going to fight. There's going to be some furnaces you're going to walk into. Hear me. See, it got quiet then. We can hoop and holler and shout when the feeling's good and everything's right. But we've got people with a lot of questions when it's Things aren't good when there's struggle, when there's a fight, when there's trial, when it seems like, hey man, you're, you're dragging your feet through quicksand or wet cement and it's just hard to move and it's hard to pray and it's hard to worship. And Brother Jacob, I didn't sign up for this, but here's what I want to tell you tonight. When we make up our hearts and minds, Brother Gary, they would have never stood when that music played and that statue was erected. They would have never Never stood and stood for righteousness had they not made their mind up. We don't know the time frame. We don't know how many days, months, probably even years went from chapter 1 to chapter 3. But because back then, because in chapter 1 they said, we're going to stand together. We're going to bind together. Daniel looked at them three and said, come on, let's purpose. Let's stand. Let's honor what God had said. It gave them the ability because when the stage is bigger and the crowds are greater and the music's blaring and the furnaces are burning, can I tell you there is just more pressure to bow down. Right now we're in a place in society. There's compromise in a multitude of of pulpits. There's compromise in a multitude of churches and we can say that we're classical Pentecostals that were spirit filled. Brother Jacob, we're never going to deviate but I'm going to tell you that in your life and in my life there's going to be plenty of things that's going to come along and will challenge you to compromise, challenge you to bend, challenge you to give in but may God help us that it's not just the preacher that it's not just the singer but it's from the pulpit to the back pew that says we're in this thing together and we're going to be sustained and can I tell you I still serve a God who said that if there's just two or three in my name I will be in the midst of them hallelujah oh understand we have got to realize Listen, one of the church's greatest issues and one of our greatest challenges is the fact that there are all kinds of divisive tactics that are working all around us. Now, we like to blame the devil for a lot of them, but sometimes it is just us. It is our personalities, our prejudices, our dislikes and likes and we will leave out and we'll cut off and we'll ostracize this one and we'll do this. And listen, can I tell you that if the enemy sees a church that's divided and that's separated and a people that are not together for the cause, that are not together, amen, for the single solitary purpose, amen, for God to be in the midst. And we talked about that last Wednesday, that if we can make up our mind that every time we come together, I know there's distractions. I know there's a hundred things going on in your head. I know there's busyness and responsibilities. I know there's sometimes somebody got on your nerves. I know sometimes those fellas in the red coat. Somebody aggravated you in the parking lot. Somebody told you where to park and you didn't want to be told where to park. Somebody, somebody, you wish you'd been praying all month long that those guys in the sound booth, why is Brother Jacob's microphone got to be so loud? Why is, why is Brother Marvin's drums got to be so loud? Why is this got to happen? Why do we got to stand this long? Why do we got to do, listen, there's distractions all day long. Why does that one got to dress that way? Why does that one got to look that way? Can I tell you if we can leave it all behind? 
if we could come in here, Sister Jerry, and say, here's what I know. I'm washed in the blood and so are you. Here's what I know, that if God be for us, then who can be against us? Here's what I know. We might be as different as daylight and dark, but here's the common denominator. That is Christ and him crucified. We have come together for such a time as this. And God let us keep that focus and knowing that in doing so, you're going to sustain us through the process. These young men, because they came together, they knew they were set apart. It said we had been reading, Daniel purposed in his heart he was not going to defile God. We find as to where now, we find where now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have agreed and come together with Daniel. They have all made the request and said, let us eat of what is within the ramifications of our dietary laws. What God, what our God has set for us to do. We cannot eat the king's meat or the king's wine. They were putting their necks on the line for a meal. Some would say, but it was greater than a meal. What you understand tonight is that oftentimes the areas that produce the greatest place of compromise in our lives and that take us the furthest away from God are some of the moments of the little things that we think are not much of a big deal. Hear me. We are chalked full to the gills and churches as to where we very strategically allow God and His Word to speak specifically in certain areas of our life but there are other areas of our life we really don't want God a part of that. We don't want His Word to convict us of that. We don't want to hear about that. Listen, there are some that they'll come and they'll ask for opinion. They'll ask for, you know, they'll say, Pastor, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts about this? And, and I'll love you, I'll love you all the way to eternity. I'm here to serve you and to help you. But in helping you, there's going to be some times I've got to be truthful with you. I'm not just going to pat you on the back and say, it's okay. Keep on doing what you're doing. Go ahead. It's all right. Just make a mess. I'm not going to sit there and see you careening off the road and going off the cliff and not stand there and say something because if I don't, I am held responsible. Your blood is on my hands. But here's what I want you to understand is that we must think about, listen, some would say, can you hear the conversation? Some would say, it's just a meal, Daniel. Get over it. You hear what I'm saying? It's just a meal, Daniel. You can, how many of you, how many of you have heard this? Let me, let me ask you this. How many of you has the enemy whispered this phrase in your ear? You can still love God and do you can still love God and be. You can still love. Listen, did you know the word of God said that at, in the end of time, when the disciples asked Jesus, they said, tell us the signs of your coming. The very first thing he said, and I've preached this several times, and I'm going to keep preaching it till Jesus comes. The very first thing he said, he wasn't talking, you know, everybody wants to know about the mark of the beast and wants to know about, you know, the Antichrist and all that. He, before any of these things are discussed, before any of these, Jesus says this. He says, be not deceived. Be not deceived. He said, there's going to be many who will point, Sister Kimberly, and say, look, Christ is over there. Look, he's over there. Look, he's over there. Do you know what I believe? Can Pastor just share with you my, my deep intellectual th uh, thoughts, theological reasoning? Here's what it is. Brother Turnage, I don't believe it was a person. But it was those that were doing things in the name of. Right? We've all heard. We've all heard of, I mean, bless their hearts, Fruit Loops, who thinks they're Jesus. Right? I mean, just goofballs. I, I don't know how nice to say it. That's just how it is. And there's people, they'll follow that mess and they'll get called up in, in all kinds of stuff. And what breaks my heart is it shows me that it just shows that there's people who are longing to believe in something. They're just looking to believe in something or somebody. 
But I don't think, Sister Linda, that he was saying that it was the idea of this person stating their Christ, even though we've had goofy people do that. But rather, how many things do we see, Brother Chad, all around us that are as evil as hell can be, but because it's tagged with the name of Christ? Churches, people in the church, they will gobble it up, hook, line, and sinker. And they just, they just believe. Because somewhere along the way, you can still do this and love God. You can still do this. It's still the serpent in the garden who said, has God said? Has he said this? Has he done this? Now listen, I'm trying not to be on a, a rabbit trail here, but I just believe the Holy Ghost in leading this direction. I will tell you this, is that there are some things, there are some things that should be in your life personally. There should be personal convictions that God has placed upon your life. There should be some things that he's put his finger on it. And he said, this right here, I want this. This right here, we're not going to do this. Or this right here, you are going to do it. There are some things, it's not a heaven or hell issue, but for me personally, it is what God has dealt with me about. There are some things, Brother Chad, that as early as 12 years old in an altar in a youth camp, I got up from an altar and I knew what God spoke to me. And from that time, I had never wavered in those commitments or convictions. I don't say that to brag, but Brother Brad, here's what I do know, is I knew that back then, that if I didn't let God have it, that somewhere down the line it would be something that would allow me to compromise, something that would allow me to give in, something that would allow room. I had to understand then, Brother Keith, God had something for my life. And therefore, there should be conviction that rules and reigns in your heart. It may not send you to hell. It may not be a heaven or hell issue. But honey, if God said not to touch it, not to do it, not to drink it, not to watch it, not to go there, then you'd better obey the Lord. It's just a meal, Daniel. Uh-huh. Just a meal. And I've seen a lot of folks, it was just a meal for Esau, wasn't it? And he lost his birthright. It was just a this for several others. It was just a look for David before he's orchestrating the murder of Bathsheba's husband. Some of the most dangerous terms that can ever be used is it's just a... In other words, you ain't got to be so serious. You ain't got to be so, you know... Don't be such a goody two-shoe. Don't be such a, God's not really going to care. He's not going to zap you. He's not going to do this. He's not going to do that. But they purposed in their heart. And as a result of them honoring God, we see that God sustains them. Can I tell you this? Is that if you are double-minded, the Bible says you will be unstable in all of your ways. If you can't make up your mind, listen to me, church. Pastor loves you, but listen what I'm telling you tonight. If you're down here and you got your mind made up on something on Sunday, but by Sunday night you've already teeter-tottered. You've already changed your mind. You've already said, well, you know, it was, I, some say, well, I was just emotional at that service. Well, it was just, you know, the song was just right and the tears were flowing and, and uh, you know, everybody was pumped and everybody's excited. Now, listen to me. If that's the case, here's what happens. Our instability, when we are unstable because we're double-minded, then we're start oftentimes trying to blame God saying he's not sustaining us. And that's not true. God, where are you at in my problem? Where are you at in my furnace? Where are you at in my temptation? Where are you at in this? And we're looking and we're trying to point fingers and we're trying to say, well, he's just not helping me. I'd get over this if he would help me out. Let's back up and understand. I want to reiterate this. I want to remind you of this. Where there is lack in our lives spiritually, it is never God's problem. It is never his fault. 
The word of God is full of promise, powerful promises that he wants you to prosper. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to stand. He wants you to be victorious. If he didn't, he would have never sent his son to the cross. But I will tell you, if there's distance, if there is a double-mindedness, if there are indecisions, if there are compromises, it is not on God's behalf. It's on us. And that's why I say, these young men, listen, this is what impresses me. In chapter 1, verse 17, where we read, it says, and these children. They weren't, they weren't even, they didn't even call them men. Now, they were men in spirit, men in heart. But it said, and these children. Think about that. Think about that, that a child can make such a decision. That young men could make such a decision. And it says that in this decision they stood before the king. He came in and communed with them. He was examining them. Because we find in a couple of verses earlier when Daniel asked specifically for a distinct menu to honor God. He said, let, he said then, let, then take a look at our countenance. Then see. A part of the problem is, is right now within the church, we are telling the world, come on, come and see us. Come and take a look at us. Come and be a part of the church and all these things. But we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in privacy. We're not being what God's called us to be behind closed doors. We're not living the way that we're supposed to be in the places where nobody else is looking. Oh, you're not helping me preach, but I'm preaching good tonight in case you weren't aware. I want to tell you this evening is that before we ever invite the world to look and see brother Gary we'd better be sure that we have set our hearts to excellence we have set our lives to say Lord help me to be what you'd have me to be because the world is watching the world is watching and so in this we find that the king comes in, communes with them, and he is astonished as he's putting them to the test. And skill and knowledge and wisdom, they are passing with flying colors. They are, listen, they were bound together. They were set apart. They were acting in solidarity for this cause. And God was sustaining them because when it came to where they were called to the carpet... We find there did not have to be persuasion. How, how many times have you seen where the church has wasted more time trying to persuade somebody that we're God's people? How many times have people tried to persuade somebody that, well, it's a move of God? How many, can I just say this? When God is moving and when God has a people, let me tell you something. There are things I've often said that a man with experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. And there might be some people, they can't understand it. They don't know it all. They can't put it all together. But they know there is something different. They know there is an impact. They know there is a Christ that is real. They know there is a God in heaven that's at work. Amen. That's why, can I remind you, church, your individual testimony is powerful. But that's why it's imperative that your testimony, Sister Kelly, links up with Sister Laura and Sister Laura with Sister Sister Linda and Sister Polly, and it goes on and on, and we can stand and say, we're not perfect people, but we serve a perfect Savior, and we have been empowered by a spirit, oh, and we have seen him, we have seen him deliver, and we've seen him heal, and we've seen him work, I'm here to tell you, when you come and stand before the test, when you come in there, you ain't got to persuade, you ain't got to use your wit and wisdom, you ain't got to pull out your membership card, you ain't got to try to find the pastor and introduce them to your pastor but stand there as Paul said having done all to stand and may the power of God be at work in you because you made a decision to serve God in spite of it all and that will always speak volumes it will always speak volumes they stood there they answered questions they weren't there to put on a show. They were not there trying to persuade. 
Notice in the conversation, Brother Marvin, they never once begged the king for mercy. They stood there. Their countenance was ten times better. Their strength, ten times better. Their wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, ten times greater than all of the magicians and astrologers and soothsayers and witch doctors in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Than all of them. And they were getting ready to be assigned to be leaders over provinces of Babylon. Because when we get to chapter 3, the servants tell Nebuchadnezzar, said, you know those guys you put in charge? (laughs) We got a problem. Right? Houston, we got a problem. Them boys, them, them, them Hebrew boys, I mean, you know, I heard, I've heard the stories and all this, but we got a problem, Nebuchadnezzar, because everybody's bound down except for them. Except for them. And I don't know, it almost makes you wonder if, you know, exactly, there were several times it made me wonder what Nebuchadnezzar was thinking because God would show him, show him who he was and show his power and then Nebuchadnezzar would seemingly forget and go on his own way and he was caught up in his own pride and he would be brought low again and God would reveal himself again in a different way. I mean, it was always this back and forth, back and forth, but we find that Nebuchadnezzar, he's infuriated over the sense that here they are But yet here they stand. They stand before him. He is impressed by what is seen. He appoints them over province. God has sustained them. God has kept them. God has rewarded them. It amazes me as to in today's culture of Christianity. We want reward and blessing without any commitment of our own. Most of our prayers are selfish prayers. Now I say that about myself too. I have to watch myself. Most of us, it's because it seems like over the course of time, over the course of years, it's just been about how we can be blessed, how we can, you know, what I need. God, this is what I need. God knows that we have needs. He knows that. But we have We have garnered a whole culture of Christianity that it's been all about. We want blessing. We want good things. We need this, God. We want this, God. But we want reward and we want him to sustain us without any commitment of our own. And that attitude that has permeated the church. Now, we want to sit around and we want to throw something at the TV when you see, you know, You know, there's people who will say, oh, those millennials, and oh, there's this, and oh, there's that. They want something for nothing. They want this for that. Well, before we get on our soapbox and we're mad at the whole world because of the way they're acting, we need to take a look at how we are spiritually. We're wanting God to sustain. We're wanting God to open doors. We're wanting God to make a way. We're wanting God to do these things, but we want it without commitment of our own. Well, Brother Jacob, this, our salvation is not based upon works. I understand that. I understand that. And I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. But I will say this, is that if you've got faith, you better put your feet with your faith. And you're going to have to walk into some things on purpose. You're going to have to make some decisions on purpose. You're going to have to come together. This is why it's important and imperative that we bind together. That we are bound by these causes. That we are bound with this purpose. And that we understand that as a result, he will sustain. He will sustain his church. He will sustain his people. We will see that... God will be glorified and honored in all of these things. We find that when we get to chapter 3, and we've mentioned it here a couple of different times, but the fact that as a result of him sustaining them, he sustained them in chapter 1. We come to chapter number 3, and we find that this miracle of surviving the fiery furnace, we find that God sustains them again. It's a bigger stage, it's it's more people, it's a bigger situation, but we come to find that once again, Again, because these things weren't practiced, they stood there. 
there together. We don't, Daniel's name doesn't show up in that particular passage of scripture there. But we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And maybe this time, because maybe, just maybe, I just go with me here for a minute. I had said because in chapter 1, Daniel purposed in his heart. And maybe he got with the other three and said, hey fellas, I, I've got a feeling y'all are wanting to do the same thing. You want to honor God. You want to, and so they come together. And because of such a commitment and because of the strength of coming together, they were there. Can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine what it's like? Have you ever been the person before that had, had swam upstream when everybody else was doing something different? Have you ever been that person? Have you ever been the odd man out? Have you ever been the one that the folks at work talked about? Have you ever been the one? Let me, let me, let's go a little bit deeper. Have you ever been the one, one your family talks about? If not, if it hasn't happened, I'll just, I'll just put this out there. You, you may not be doing enough for Jesus just yet. All of our kids are, are in the classes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you all a little bit of a story. I was working my first job at Foot Locker. And I shared this in a, in a service. It's been some time back. But I'm going to share this again. I was working my first job at Foot Locker. Selling shoes. And uh, I, was, I was in there. Well, one, of the, one of the co-workers, I'm 18 years old. One of, the co- one of my co-workers, his name was Arthur. They called him Art for short. Art was about six foot five, over 300 pounds. He played football for the University of Missouri. So when he was off from school, he came and he ran the stock room for our footlocker store. Well, the first, my first several weeks working there, I hadn't met Art, but I heard of him. He's a big guy. He's a tough guy. And they'd say, you better learn how to run that stock room because if you don't run it the way Art wants you to, he'll get upset with you. So before Art ever showed up, I scared to death of Art. <laughs> big guy. So first day he walks in, one of them guys, he just took up the whole entryway. He just came walking in. And they didn't have to, Brother RV, they didn't have to introduce me. I thought, I said, that's Art right there. That's him. He hadn't even put on his footlocker shirt yet. That's when we had to wear the referee shirts. I don't know if they still have to do that or not. I'd go to stop and get lunch. They'd say, you going to referee a basketball? No, I'm going to work. I work at footlocker. Right? Everybody thought I was a referee somewhere. But I, so I, I, he hadn't even put his work shirt on. Here he came in there, Sister Debbie, filled up that room. And the first night, oftentimes we worked from 10 to 10. The first night we had a big truckload come in. And we were unpackaging un- those shoe boxes and we were getting them there. And Art's back there and he's telling us what to do. And I'm yes sir and I'm amen and whatever I need to do. I'm just, because they had me scared to death of him. Well, <clears throat> several of the guys there that was back there in the, in the room, Brother Brad, you get some of them guys together, well, conversation can go south pretty quick. And so conversation started coming up about ladies and relationships and all of this well art had went up to the front of the store and while i was there uh putting shoes and stuff in one of the one of the guys said uh they said jake said uh said who who are you seeing and i said well i said i said uh i have a girlfriend and uh her name is carolyn i said but i said we're we're saving ourselves for marriage because the conversation had went that direction. And one of those boys looked at me and he said, you're doing what? I said, yes, sir. He said, so, and I'm looking around just making sure that we're kid free here. Well, and he said, you're a virgin? I said, yes, sir, I am. I said, I'm saving myself for, for marriage. That guy took off. He ran. He ran out of the stock room. I thought, oh no, here we go. He was gone for about five minutes. I'm on the back side of that stock room and I'm working, I'm minding my business. I can hear him over there laughing. I can hear him making jokes. I can hear all that stuff. 
And I hear, Jake, where are you at? That was Art. And I sheepishly, Sister Brenda, I said, back, back here, back here, back here. And Brother Brad, I look up, and here comes Art. Art, I mean, he's as wide as the aisles are, and he's come walking, and he's just walking toward me. I mean, they ain't a smile. There ain't nothing on his face. I said, I'm dead. I am dead tonight. And he came walking up, and he said, is it true? Is it true? And I thought, there's no telling what those, that boy went, ran up there and told him. He said, is it true? And I said, well, I said, what are you wanting to know is true or not? He said, is it true? He said that you're saving yourself for marriage. I said, yes. And the whole time he's talking, he keeps coming. And it's probably the, the length from about here to the wall. And he's just coming at me and I'm standing there. And when I get there, I'm frozen. I can't do anything. And Art puts his arms around me and picks me up and hugs me. And as he's hugging me, tears start running down his face. He said, he said, when I was a young man growing up in the church, he said, God called me to preach. He said, I got called up. He said, I got called up in the world. I got called up chasing girls. He said, and I feel like Jake. He said, I'm so far from where I need to be. And there's Art. And all them guys standing around looking. Can't believe it. They, can't, they just knew. They believed he was coming back there to put a punch on me or something. They couldn't believe it. He stood there. And right there, Sister Laura, in that aisle of that stockroom, I prayed with Art. And do you know that from that day when Art came in, Jake, where are you at? He'd find me. He made sure I was with him. Brother Jimmy, I became untouchable at Foot Locker. If somebody came in there, Brother Gary, running their, their mouth, telling a dirty joke, he'd say, shut your mouth. He said, Jake's here. He said, we ain't going to talk like that in front of him. I didn't run out there. I didn't stand on a, 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 shoe, a, a shoe box and, and, and tell everybody all of my business and tell all of these things. But here's what I know. That Brother Gerard, that when if you will commit yourself to God's purpose, if you will submit yourself to His Word, that God will sustain. I know that's nothing. I know that that, that, was, just a, that was just a little test along the way. But I'll tell you this, that Sister Linda, because of that one little test, the furnaces have gotten hotter. The situation sometimes have been stickier. But I have been able to stand and say that if God did it for me then, that I know he'll do it for me now. Friends, I want to tell you as God is in the business, he is a rewarder of them that will diligently seek him. He will pour out of his spirit upon those who will be thirsty and hungry. He will honor those who will honor him. We are bound by purpose. Set apart. Sister Carolyn, if you'll come. Set apart for the solidarity. There's calls for the kingdom of God. There's calls in this kingdom. And he will sustain us in these moments. Listen. I was an 18-year-old kid. Sister Lord, trying to honor God. And as a result, it opened a door for a backslidden football player to see Christ. To see Christ. Art and I had many conversations about salvation. I prayed with him many times. Many times. Don't know where he's at today. Many years ago, I've lost contact with him. I think about him often. When I think about him, Sister Cindy, I pray for him. I say, Lord, I don't know where Art is, but I sure hope. I sure pray. But the thing about it was this, is that Christ was exposed as he sustains. Listen, he didn't sustain those young men to put them on a pedestal. 
Now they wound up being promoted. They wound up being recognized. But before all that happened, Christ was exposed. Nebuchadnezzar said, I see a fourth man in that fire. And it looks like the Son of God. Something that's always been interesting to me about that statement, Brother Heath. Those men were walking around, but do you notice the only one who spoke up to say that they noticed Christ in that fire was Nebuchadnezzar. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not walk out and say, hey, we was in there with the Lord. We assume, we assume they saw him. But Sister Linda, the only person in Scripture who says, I see a fourth man like the Son of God, Nebuchadnezzar was the only one. He asked everybody else, Do you see, are you seeing what I'm seeing? This is what I see. They came out, not even a smell of smoke on them, not one hair singed, not one fiber burned. But Christ was revealed to a wicked king because there were some young men who said, we're going to bind together. We're going to bind together. Can I tell you this, that when we bind together, we are bound by purpose. Church, please hear me. There's great purpose, great power. There's great things that God wants to do in us and through us. And we want to, our prayer should be, Christ, I want you to be revealed in all things. Brother Coleman, I believe in this situation. It's so that Christ can be revealed. You said it this afternoon. This ain't about you and whoever else. This ain't about you and this city. This is a spiritual situation. Bind together, believing together, serving together. We are bound, set apart, serving in solidarity. He is sustaining. He will sustain. Christ will be seen. Christ will be recognized. The greatest times in your life and mine, the greatest times for a church for Christ to be seen by the world around us is how we handle ourselves, how we act, what we do in the greatest furnaces of affliction. But we will not rise to the occasion in the moment. We need to be committed further back in the places of our lives. So be careful. Be careful what you compromise. Be careful what you're tempted to make room for. Bind together. Agree together with those, as the Word of God says, of that household of faith. Amen. So we can stand and Christ be revealed. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight for your faithfulness, and I thank you for your Word. I thank you tonight for every heart and life and Lord we pray we believe tonight Lord that your will and your way be fulfilled in this place Lord tonight some that there's struggle there's battle there's some things maybe in trying to make a decision of what to do Lord the answer is what does your word say the answer is Lord what have you called us to be what have you asked us to stand for what have you asked us to come together on? Lord, in a time where there's so much division, in a time where there's so many things going on around us, Lord, I pray unify our hearts, unify the family of God. As we stand, as we consecrate ourselves, Lord, we will find you will sustain, you will keep us. Lord, in the midst of furnaces of affliction, in the midst of where it seems like everything else is falling apart, Lord, we want you to be revealed through us, through us the church, through our lives, in our homes, in our families. Lord, I pray you'd help us. I pray, Lord, you'd help us, Lord, that we're willing to stand, to bind together, set apart, acting in solidarity of cause, knowing you will sustain, you will honor as we honor you. Father, challenge our hearts tonight. Tonight, church, maybe you're in a situation 
Maybe it's family members, friends, co-workers. Maybe there's situations you're up against and you know, you know people are watching. You know there's some things maybe that's been said or discussed. Maybe tonight there's been time, temptation, opportunity where the enemy would say, well, you know, you can, you can still do this and love God. You can still be this. And, but tonight I pray the Holy Ghost has been challenging our hearts. Lord, convict us again. Draw us again. Help us, Lord, that in these moments that you are seen, you are revealed through this church, through our lives. Lord, as we come together, bind us together, Lord, in these moments for this time. Truly, I pray that you're glorified. I know you will be. If that's your heart's desire tonight, if there are some things you'd say, I... I, need, I want the Lord. I need Him to help me. I, 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 I'm, I'm in some of these furnaces. I'm in some of these places. And I, I want Christ to be seen. I want Him to be experienced. If that's your heart. Amen. Why don't we come? Find ourselves a place to pray. Why don't we come tonight and find ourselves a place that we can seek the Lord tonight. To say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Forgive me where I'm double-minded. Forgive me, Lord, where I've allowed areas oh maybe there's been compromise lord forgive me when i've reasoned or i've felt like i've had to persuade or i've had to argue my way but lord if you're doing that work in me lord you're going to show it's going to shine a light father you're going to deal and you're going to reveal yourself your power your purpose and plan father help us i pray tonight lord remind us you will sustain remind somebody here tonight you're going to keep them. You're going to sustain them in the process. You're going to sustain them in these moments, in this trial. Oh, Lord, we're looking to you, Master. Lord, we're looking to you, Okay.